Welcome to the Leadership Matters Podcast, where we talk matters of leadership because leadership really does matter. Here's your host, Jeremy Albrecht. Hey leaders, welcome to another episode of the Leadership Matters Podcast. My name's Jeremy, and once again, we have another special edition episode. Super pumped about this. Once again, it's been taken from our annual Initiate Leadership Conference, which is for next-gen leaders. And this is November 2022. And this is from our general session number two down in Ottawa. We had our keynote speaker was Jeff Hillier, the lead pastor at Community Pentecostal Church. And Jeff spoke a message entitled, Lead Like It Matters. And so here it is. Ainsley and I had been dating for just one year, uh, just over a year, and I was coming home for Christmas holidays, and she had talked to me at one of the weekends before my Christmas holidays, and she said that she had this great plan. She was going to do something really special, and so she had bought tickets to the Nutcracker Suite in Toronto to go to the Royal Alex. We were going to go with my brother-in-law and sister-in-law. We were going to dress up and have a fancy dinner and then go to this presentation of Tchaikovsky's The Nutcracker Suite. And so I could tell by the glean in her eye that she was excited about this. And so I, I was like, yeah, I'm in. So I came home for Christmas. We got dressed up. I, I put on dress pants, a shirt, a tie even, a jacket. Was all ready to go. And, and she came out and she was all dressed up. She looked absolutely beautiful. We made our way into Toronto with my brother-in-law and sister-in-law. I had a fancy dinner. And then we entered the Royal Alex. I didn't know much about the Nutcracker, I didn't know much about ballet, but nothing had prepared me for what I was about to see. Because as men came out onto the stage wearing what looked like my mother's leotards, my mother's pantyhose, I, I didn't know what to do with myself. I saw these guys dressed in an interesting way, jumping and leaping and doing things that just didn't make a whole lot of sense to me. I, I'm a sports guy. I, I watch people wear hockey equipment and football equipment and soccer equipment. But never once have I seen men dressed like this. I never subscribed to ballet illustrated. I just, I just didn't know what to do with myself. And by the half, half time, the intermission, not half time, it was the intermission. <laughs> half time. <laughs> By the intermission, I had all kinds of questions and all kinds of comments. And so I started to let those questions and those comments come out. I started to talk about, now I understood the name of this ballet because I was watching these guys dance around. I, I started to talk about... <laughs> I started, to, I started to talk about how these guys had high-pitched voices and all kinds of things. And, and, and the more I talked, the more my brother-in-law laughed, my sister-in-law laughed, and Ainsley was chuckling along. And, and the thing is, is I get people laughing, then I just got to keep going. And I just kept going, kept going, kept going, kept going. Intermission ends, and we go back into the Royal Alex, and I'm watching, and, and I'm, I'm trying to create more jokes. I'm, I'm thinking about more things I can say, trying to be funny. And so finally when it ends, we walk out, and I start zinging all kinds of lines. My brother-in-law's laughing. Corey's laughing. Ainsley's not laughing as much. We're now outside of the Royal Alex, and I thought it would be appropriate to show people that I had the ability to be in the ballet. And so here I am in my dress clothes, and I start to spin around and jump up in the air and do all kinds of ridiculous things trying to mimic what I had just seen these guys doing. My brother-in-law laughed. My sister-in-law laughed. 
But Ainsley just kind of smiled at me. We drove home. Mike and Corey went to their place, and now Ainsley and I were driving back to my house. And she was a little less than engaged in our time together. And so I'm, I'm trying, to, trying to prod her and like, hey, that was, that was a good night. It was a lot of fun with Mike and Corey. Yeah. That was a good meal, eh? A really good meal. Yeah. You look beautiful. Uh-huh. <laughs> I said, what? What's wrong? Nothing. Now, guys, listen to me for a second. If you ever ask the girl that you are connected to if there's anything wrong and they say no, that means that you are in severe trouble, okay? Girls lie. I just want to lay, lay that out. They, they will say no, but they are lying through their teeth. And I said to her, I said, uh, is there anything wrong? No. Come on, there's got to be something wrong. No. I said, come on, Ansley, you're, you're being so cold. What's wrong? And she said, Jeff, don't you know? This was an important night. I said, I know. She said, no, 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 no. Tonight mattered to me. And then I reacted in a defensive way. And I said, tonight mattered to me too. And then she said these words. If it mattered to you, then your behavior would have shown it. In our leadership journey, we want people to follow us. We want to be followable. We want people to, to invest and, and to invest their time and their energy and their money. And they, we want them to follow us. But people are looking to see if our behavior communicates that our leadership really matters. They're looking at our lives to see whether or not what we're engaged in really matters. Or if our behavior communicates that this is not worth investing into. This is not worth giving your time. This is not worth giving your money towards. You see, our followers are looking for people who lead like it matters, who lead like it matters. We've been going through the book of Daniel with our church, and, and I, I had a message all written for today, but this one line came to me a few weeks ago, and I want to preach from Daniel chapter 2. Our students, our people haven't heard this. This is a brand new message. But Daniel chapter 2, verses 14 to 19, if you can look at, your, at the screen or you can look at your devices, but it says this. When Ariak, the commander of the king's guard, had gone out to put to death the wise of Babylon, Daniel spoke to him with wisdom and tact. He asked the king's officer, why did the king issue such a harsh decree? Ariok then explained the matter to Daniel. At this, Daniel went to the king and asked for time so that he might interpret the dream for him. Then Daniel returned to his house and explained the matter to his friends, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. He urged them to plead for mercy from the God of heaven concerning the mystery that, so that he and his friends might not be executed with the rest of the wise men of Babylon. And during the night, the mystery was revealed to Daniel in a vision, and then Daniel praised the God of heaven. Nebuchadnezzar is the king of Babylon. The children of God find themselves in captivity. And Nebuchadnezzar has this dream and he wants the interpretation and so he brings all the wise individuals, all his counselors into a room and he says, listen, I want you guys to interpret this dream for me, but this dream is so bothering me that I don't want you making anything up. Here's the deal. Not only do you have to interpret it, but you actually have to tell us, tell me what the dream is. I'm not giving you any hints. And everybody in the room is like, this is crazy. There's not a chance in the world that we can do this. Nobody can do this. And Nebuchadnezzar says, fine, if you can't do it, I'm going to put you all to death. 
Arioch is in charge of putting these people to death and all these wise individuals, all these advisors, these counselors. And he's walking the streets heading towards Daniel's place. And Daniel sees him walking and he says, hey, Arioch, can I talk to you? And he begins to inquire as to what's going on. And he finds out that Daniel has a death sentence on his life. His buddies have a death sentence on their life. The people that he's been training with for, to be an advisor of the king have a death sentence in his, on his life. And, and we find him at this point where it's a life and death situation needing leadership that matters. And let me just pause here for a second. If you think that the ministry you're doing, youth ministry, young adults ministry, children's ministry is anything but life and death, you probably shouldn't be in ministry because we're talking about the life and death eternally of individuals. And Daniel finds himself at a life and death situation where leading like it matters is the only option before him. And we begin to see him lead in a way that shows that it matters. And the, the first thing we see is that he shows intentional leadership. Intentional leadership. Verse 14 says, Daniel spoke with wisdom and tact. Wisdom and tact. But it really means that he spoke in a helpful way and in a pleasing way. Now, if it's me and I find out the king's going to put everybody to death, he's going to put me to death. I'm not, I'm not watching my words. I'm like, holy shnikes, this is awful. I am, I am going to be put to death. What is his problem? What, is he gone mad? And I, I, I just be spewing off at the mouth. Because what difference does it make? I'm going to die anyways. Not Daniel. Daniel's intentional. Speaks with wisdom. Tact. Wisdom. Tact. Why? Because Daniel knows that if he can be intentional about his words, he will get the result that he needs. You see, he, he knows that if he can be full of wisdom, and speak with tact, then he will gain an audience with the king. Wisdom plus tact equals an audience with the king. Wisdom plus tact gives him an audience with the king. He's intentional because he cares about the results. I've met too many leaders who've stopped caring about the results. They've stopped being intentional because they no longer care about the results. They're just fine with what is before them. They're just, they're just fine with the, the, the 20 people or the 30 people or whatever's in the room. They're just fine with that group. And it's like, this is good. We're, we've got a good group. It's just fine. They've stopped caring about the results. They were once strategic, but now they just are leading like it doesn't matter. Jer said to you that Ains and I were just in Italy. A week ago this past Wednesday, we were in Venice, a very complicated city. Got up in the morning and we had a gondola ride booked. And so I didn't want to get lost. And so I pulled out my phone and put in the address into Google Maps. And then the two of us walked the streets like this. That was a bridge, by the way. And we just, we just kept walking. I just kept following where the map was taking me because I was intentional to get to my result, my destination. We did the gondola ride. And when the gondola ride was finished, I put my phone away. And then we just started wandering. We just walked wherever. We, we found ourselves in different places. We didn't even know where we were in the city. We were just wandering all over the place. I find so many leaders start off like the gondola ride situation. They begin in ministry, whether it's as a volunteer or as the main leader, and they're very strategic and they're looking at their map and they're trying to get somewhere because they have a destination. But over time, we, we, we start to get tired and we start to get to a place where we just settle for what we have and we put away the strategic thinking and the intentionality and we just start wandering around. 
and we're just satisfied with what we have. We're, we're just satisfied with what we have. And, and so there's, there's not this communication from our lives to those who are involved in ministry or who potentially could be involved in ministry that this really matters. We're just going along for a little walk. When I first started ministry in Pembroke, we had 17 students in our youth ministry. I wasn't happy with that, so we created this outreach called The Final Bell. On our very first night in September, we started in May, on our first night in September, we had 42 visitors. Almost tripled our attendance with our visitors. And over the next few months, we continued to see people get saved and our youth group grew to about 40 to 50 students on a regular basis. I could walk into the high school, people would say, hey, Jeff, I had no idea who they were. They just knew that I was the guy who ran the final bell. And, and, and for that first year, it was, it was really it was really rewarding to see a group that had gone from 17 to 40 to 50 students. I could have easily settled. But one day I started to think about the sustainability of what I had and I realized that we didn't have a junior high group. There was no possible way that this group could continue going unless we were feeding it with some younger students. So I decided to start a junior high group. We only had five junior highs in our church and so it was, it was, a, big, it was a big task starting a junior high program. I advertised and put this big display in our, in our foyer. We called it Construction Zone because we were building something from the ground up. And we advertised that first night. We had 12 people. It was amazing. But we kept pushing, kept pushing, reaching students, started to send a bus around. And by the end of the first year, we were running 40 to 50 junior highs. So here's the deal. My first two years, I've got somewhere around 90 students in our youth ministry. It was easily the best season of this church. It was one of the larger groups in the area for sure and probably a decent sized group compared to the rest of the district. And I could have easily sat back and said, look, we, we have a great group. But this, is, th this ministry matters. It matters, and I, I wasn't going to settle. And, and the one Wednesday night, I'll never forget it, I'm standing at the back, and Matt Robinson's leading worship to our junior highs, and there's this, this kid who's sitting at the back row, and he's got these ripped jeans that are, like, offensively ripped. Like, like, like before ripped jeans were ever cool, they are offensively ripped. I mean, they are showing more, like, I'm seeing more skin than a dermatologist has ever seen in his life. And, and as he's sitting there in the middle of worship, the one girl beside him pulls out lipstick and puts it on her lips and kisses him on the cheek. Then the girl on the other side pulls out some lipstick and she puts on her lips and kisses him on the cheek. And I'm looking and going, what? No, this is worship. And she pulls out another lipstick and this girl pulls out another lipstick and they just keep doing this. I'm like, whoa, whoa, this can't happen. So I'm like, hey, girls, put the lipstick away. This guy's got all these lip prints all over his face. Put the lipstick away. Okay, pastor, okay. I'm watching. And all of a sudden, the guy turns to me and he says, hey, could I go to the washroom? And I'm like, yeah, yeah, no problem. And I'm thinking to myself, he's got to clean up the lipstick, right? So he goes to the bathroom. About five minutes later, he comes back. And now he is not wearing the ripped jeans anymore. He has torn off the ripped jeans and he is showing me the shortest shorts I've ever seen in my life. I mean, do not think about it. They were just so short. So, so short. And, and I'm like, where did the rest of his pants go? He had just ripped them off in the gym, or in, the, in the bathroom, because he just felt that he just needed, he was, I don't know if he thought he was hot, or, or maybe he's going to get more kisses from the girls. I don't know. 
But in that moment, I thought to myself, it doesn't matter that I have 50 junior highs in my group. If they're not discipled, if they don't know Jesus, then I'm not doing enough. I need to get more intentional with my leadership. And we started to talk about how we were going to disciple a bunch of community kids. And I'll never forget standing in front of this, this group of junior highs and saying, okay, we're going to sing this song now. I want you to close your eyes. Let's everybody raise our hand now. It was like I was teaching a child. But I began to disciple these students because having kids in the room is just not enough. You, you see, their lives matter way too much. The ministry matters way too much. And it's not enough just to have people on our attendance sheet. It's not enough just to have people in the room. We've got to have an intentionality that communicates to those who are looking to us for leadership that this ministry matters. And Daniel shows intentional leadership. The second thing that he shows is courageous leadership. In verse 16, it says Daniel goes to the king and he asks for some time. This is royal stupidity. Daniel is going to a king that he doesn't have the right to go to. You see, he's a slave. He, he is a, a Hebrew boy being trained to help the king, but he has no legal rights in this kingdom and has no right to go before the king. He's also a man who has a death sentence on his head and who should be dead, but now he's coming and it's showing that his... The, the, the king's leaders are not following his word. He's coming before a king who's mad, who wants to, to kill all the wise people. By the way, if you've never read this passage, it's brilliant. The king is so irrational, he's willing to kill all the smart people. You ever think about that? You kill the smart people, what are you left with? Dumb people. Hey, guys, we're going to go to war. What do you think we should do? Uh, we should just lay on the floor and just think about it. We should subscribe to Netflix whenever it gets invented. Oh, that would be cool. Like he's going to kill the smart people. This is a bad decision. This king is irrational. He's in a rage. He's put out a death sentence to everybody. But Daniel knows this is a life and death situation. And he acts courageously. He's willing to take a risk. And leaders, let me tell you something today. If you want to be followable, nothing will say to your followers that, you, that your leadership matters like leading with courage, like leading with and taking risks, like putting your reputation on the line, doing something that may cost you something. He leads courageously. Let me ask you something. When was the last time you ever got inspired by somebody who wanted to play it safe? I mean, seriously, when was the last time you, you ever said, you know, I just want to follow this leader. He's amazing. He, he sits at home all the time in his sweatpants, watching Netflix over and over and over again, eating Doritos. That's who I want to be like. Self-preservation, safety. That doesn't inspire people to follow you. What inspires people are those individuals who will put their reputation on the line. What will inspire our followers is the individual who acts courageously and is willing to take a risk, to do what other people won't do, who's willing to suffer the consequences because they realize that the issue before them is so serious that the risk is well worth it. My last year of high school, I had a decision to make. I had spent four years in my 
by school, O'Neill in, in Oshawa had hung out with my friends since the beginning of junior high, so six years with my friends. If I was to choose to stay at O'Neill, I would have to spend an entire year because we were in a term school. Or I could go to a school that I had never gone to and take a semester and finish my final courses and then work for Bible college. I decided to do this, the latter. So I ended up going to a school called Donovan, which doesn't exist anymore. Thank you, Jesus. And, and, I, and I went to this school and uh, summertime, and I start to think about the fact I'm going to this brand new school. And then I began to think about how this was my last semester and that I might not have another chance to share my faith with people again, at least in such an opportunity. Like, you always have the opportunity to share your faith, but, but I mean, as a high school student, I was never going to be in a daily environment with so many people that I would be able to impact. This was it. I basically had four months to do something significant for Jesus. So my one friend, I had one friend at the school, we began to talk, and we, we decided that we were going to do a Christian fellowship group at our school, which back then was pretty radical. And so we, we start planning, we got a teacher sponsor, it was all lined up, and now the school year starts, I don't know anybody in the school, and our teacher comes to us and says, hey, look, we're doing the school assembly where every, every activity has a representative sharing in a public, uh, sharing an announcement in the school assembly. Would one of you be willing to speak for the Christian fellowship group? Well, my friend said, well, Jeff, you're going into ministry, so why don't you do it? It's like, okay, I'll do that. Okay, so here's a scenario. Donovan Collegiate, a thousand students in a gymnasium. Not one of them knows who I am. I'm gonna spend the next four or five months there. I'm trying to build relationships. I wanna make sure that, that people will receive me well. And, and I've got to give the Christian fellowship announcement. And so I start to think to myself, I should just get up and play safe. I should just get up and just do, you know, just like, hey, we're, we're starting this Christian fellowship group. It's every Tuesday at lunch hour. If you'd like to, to be part of it, just come see us, blah, 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 blah. And just do something really safe. But I begin to think, they're not going to pay attention to that. They're not going to even listen to me if I get up and do that. I got to do something audacious. I've got to do something that gets their attention. I got to do something that's going to put my reputation on the line. So I started to think of something and came up with something as I was praying about it and decided I would do it. So here's the day, the day of. We're sitting on the stage and beside me are the sports representatives. And, and you know those sports representatives. They're, the, they're always the best looking people in the school and in the best shape and everybody in the school loves them. The most popular people, right? And they get up before me and they, they, they don't even barely say anything, but people are just like, wow, because they're just gorgeous. Yeah. I'm into basketball, I'm into football. Yeah, I'm with you, sweetheart. That's what the guys are saying, and girls, uh, vice versa. And now it's my turn. And I'm thinking, oh, do I really want to do this? If this doesn't go well, I'm going to look like a fool. But I need to connect with people so that I might share the gospel. So I stood up, and now we're going to have Jeff Hillier, who's going to share about the Christian Fellowship Group. So I walked up to the, the stadium, or the, the podium. Hi. My name is Jeff Hillier. And I'm here today to tell you about the Christian Fellowship Group. I can see people all across the gymnasium. They're like, who the heck is this dude? 
I want to tell you about the Christian Fellowship Group. It's going to be really neat. Oh, <laughs> we're going to play pin the tail on Balaam's donkey. We're going to play Bible Pictionary. Maybe we'll do something radical and play Bible Bingo. And I start saying a few more things that makes Christianity sound exactly how my listeners think it should sound. And I said, so if you want to join us on Tuesdays, that would be incredible. Thank you so much. People are like, I paused, said, listen to me for a second. That's exactly what some of you think Christianity is. It's, it's the most boring thing in the world. Well, I want to tell you something, that we are having a Christian fellowship group, but it's not going to be that boring. It's going to be the most exciting thing in the place. And all of a sudden, people start to wake up in the gym. I said, in fact, let me, let, let me tell you, I'm new to this school. Most of you don't know who I am. My, I, I'm brand new here. And I heard that this is a good school. Is this a good school? And people are like, yeah. I said, no, 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 no. I said, is this a good school? And all of a sudden, Yeah. And I said, let me, let me tell you something. I heard that the best Christian fellowship group in the entire city is over at this school, and I name it. And I said, let me ask you a question. How many want them to be the best school in the city? Everybody's like, no. I said, how many of you want this school to have the best Christian fellowship group in the entire Durham region? Everybody's like, yeah. I mean, the atheists are cheering me on. Come on, and they're all cheering. I'm like, we're, we're going to have such an amazing year. We're bringing in a Satanist. I'm making stuff up on the spot. We're, we're bringing in a Satanist, and, and he's gonna, we're going to have a debate with him, and we're going we're gonna to bring in a witch and talk about the old call. And, and I, I'm just like going left, right, and center, making stuff up. And I said, so we're going to meet every Tuesday in the lunchroom. And if you want to be part of something amazing, join me on Tuesday. How many are with me? And the whole gym's like, yeah. Thank you, see you later. And I went and sat down. People were applauding, whoa! <laughs> I honestly didn't know how people had received me. All I knew is I created a bunch of hype. And then I'm thinking, Jesus, now I gotta fulfill my promises. <laughs> I wish I could tell you that our Christian fellowship group exploded. It didn't. But that day, I walked through our high school and teachers stopped me and said, hey, you're the guy who gave that announcement today. I was like, yeah, that's the most incredible thing we've ever heard in the high school assembly. Students who didn't even believe in Jesus are stopping me. Dude, that was incredible. That was the most awesome thing. You brought so much life to a boring assembly, like person after person after person. And it gave me the opportunity to continue to share my faith in those final five years of my, or fi, fi, final five years of high school. My, <laughs> it was a tough, tough journey. In the final five months of high school, like speaking to Roland in my math class and the, the two girls in front of me in English and just the doors opened up because of that moment because I was willing to take a risk. I was willing to be a courageous leader. Those of you who are students, listen to me for a second. Courageous leadership doesn't rest on your youth pastor, your kids pastor, your young adults pastor. Courageous leadership rests on you. 
And if you are gonna be part of leadership and gain a following, you cannot lead in a safe way. We are in a life and death ministry. We are here to reach people for Jesus Christ who are destined for hell. We are here to disciple people who will become disciple makers, who will lead people to Christ, who are destined right now for hell. We need to take the ministry seriously and lead like it really matters. And you need to lead courageously. You need to lead courageously. We need to lead intentionally. We need to lead courageously. And lastly, we need to lead dependently. Dependent leadership. Verse 18 and 19, the king says to Daniel, go ahead, you can, you can have some time. Daniel goes to his three friends, Shirek, Meshach, and Abednego. They give, we see the Hebrew names here. And he says, hey, boys, listen, we're, we're all gonna die. We've only got one solution. We gotta pray. We gotta pray. We gotta pray. And don't just pray once. I'm asking you to plead for God. I'm asking that you will plead that God will step in and give us the solution that we need to save people's lives. Pray and pray and pray and pray. And the Bible tells us they begin to pray. They begin to call on God. And they keep praying and they keep praying. And for some reason, God doesn't answer right away. And they keep praying and they keep praying and they keep praying. And it's not until the middle of the night that they get an answer to their prayer. And then Daniel sa- then it says that Daniel began to praise God because as they were dependent on him for the solution, God comes through. Listen to me, leaders. If there's one thing that we need today that that will show that our ministry matters is leaders who are dependent upon God. Leaders who are dependent upon God. I'm tired of leaders who say they're dependent upon God, but they are Amazon Prime prayers. They, They put their prayer request in and they expect delivery the next day. They just pray one prayer and then they expect it to happen right away. Daniel and the boys pray and pray and pray and pray and pray. They are dependent upon God for the solution. They are leading in a way that says if God doesn't show up, the solution won't be there. Let me ask you something. Those of you who are involved in the kids' ministry, are you praying before you get to the church on Sunday mornings? Junior high youth leaders, are you praying before you get to the church on a Thursday night or a Friday night? Young adults leaders, are you praying before you get together for young adults? Are you praying and fasting? Are you believing that God's gonna show up in a, in a great way? Or do you put in your prime Amazon Prime prayer, say, God, would you please be here tonight? And then you just start moving in to do all the things that just don't matter. I, I want to tell you that I'm convinced that we have exchanged the supernatural in our ministry for the superficial. We, we, we care. I see it more and more. We are more concerned about our style, whether, whether it's what we're wearing or the style of our ministry than we are about spending time with God. We're, we're more concerned about our social media posts, what's online, than we are about spending time with God. But what we need is a group of leaders who say this ministry matters so much that I am going to lean into God like I've never leaned before and believe that he's going to provide solutions that only he can provide. Some of you won't remember this. There's the odd person who will, but there was a point in our history here in this district where we used to run youth convention in Kingston. And we had come to a place in our, in our district where a number of shifts had taken place and we needed to move from Kingston to Oshawa. It was probably one of the most historic moves in the youth ministry department that had 
happened in recent history. And I remember giving the spiel on the Sunday morning in, my wife's calling me. I remember giving the spiel, I just hung up on her, that's going to be good. Uh, <laughs> giving the spiel in, uh, in, in Kingston that we're going to make this move. We're going to move to Oshawa to the embassy. It was the transition place before we moved to Durham College, University of Ontario. And so we, we had to figure out everything that we were going to do. And so we're going to meet at the church. We're going to have the conference there Sunday morning. We're going to do something at the school, come back for the closing service. But the afternoon activities, the Saturday act, afternoon activities, the only way we could pull them off is doing them outside. This was a big move for me. And, and I, I thought, God, this has to go really well or we won't see youth pastors return. We'll see students stop attending. And I so believed in youth convention. I didn't want students to not come. I want them to be touched by God. I want them to be transformed. This was, this was a life and death event for me. So I'm like, God, it's got to work. It's got to work. It's got to work. Let everything work out in this transition. Please let it work out. And we're a week out from the event, and I start to look at the weather. And on the Saturday afternoon, it was supposed to rain, which is going to mess up everything that we had planned. I'm like, God, this isn't fair. Like, the, the, this ministry event's going to be messed up if it rains. God, this is crazy. We need this event to work. And as I'm, as I'm complaining to God, God starts saying to me, well, why don't you start to pray about it? Why don't you pull an Elijah who shut the heavens for a number of years? Why don't you pray like that? So I can do that. So I start to pray, Jesus, I'm asking that you would shut the heavens. I'm asking that you'll give us a dry Saturday afternoon. We just need between 12 o'clock and 4 o'clock. And every day I began to pray. I prayed and I prayed and I prayed every day that week that it would be a dry Saturday. The night before the, the Saturday, it was, it was, I had just done the Friday night service, went back to my room, checked the weather forecast. It's predicting rain. Like, God, you're not hearing me. I'm going to, but I kept praying. I'm just dependent. God, the only way I can take care of the, the, the speakers, I can take care of the music, I can take care of the program, but I need you to take care of the rain. I need you to take care. God, I'm praying for a closed heaven. The next day we get to the church and, and, and it's, it's like a little bit of spit. And so one of my leaders, Matt Robinson comes to me and says, hey, Jeff, I never thought about this, but what's going to happen this afternoon if it rains? I looked at him and this is what I said. It's not going to rain. He's like, he starts laughing. And he's like, no, no, seriously. What, what's going to happen if it rains? I said, there's no plan B. I said, I've been praying all week and I'm dependent upon God for this. We need this convention to work because students need to be transformed by the gospel and they need to keep coming back. It's not going to rain. He says, okay, but what if it does? It's not going to rain. I've been praying and God's going to take care of it. He's like, all right. Spits all morning during the service. When the service ends, go outside, it's dry. The clouds stayed in place from 12 o'clock until 4 o'clock. And then at 4 o'clock, as the events ended and we start to pick up the stuff to bring inside, the clouds moved in and it began to rain, which I could care less about because we had already achieved what we needed to achieve 
but not by my brilliance, not by my strategic planning, not because we had a great team, but because there was a leader who was dependent upon God. And I want to tell you that there are things that need to happen in your ministry that will cause people to follow you that will only happen if you're dependent upon God. If you show your students, if you show your leaders, if you show people that you are believing God for things that only He can do, that you stop worrying about the superficial and you start believing for the supernatural, that you start believing that God's going to show up in the middle of the night and give you the answers that you need to the problems that you just can't figure out. We need some courageous leaders. Worship team, would you come back? There's an old story, and I'm sure that older individuals in this room have heard it before. But there's a guy by the name of Charlie Peace. He was a criminal in England, and, and he, had, he had been able to get away with his crimes for a long time. And then one day, something happened, and they, the law actually caught up with him. They arrested him, and he went to his trial, and the jury and the judge found him guilty of all his crimes. His crimes were so severe that they decided that they were going to give him the death penalty. So the day of the execution came about. He was led from his cell towards the place where he would be executed. And, and it's called the death walk. And as he's walking, a chaplain is given to him to read him the, the consolation of religion. And, and this chaplain is just kind of professionally reading scripture, just professionally sharing thoughts about heaven and hell and about faith. And Charlie Peace starts getting frustrated and he says, excuse me, wh what are you reading there? And he says, well, I'm reading the consolation of religion. And, and Charlie Peace is so frustrated because this guy has no passion. He's doing it flippantly. He's doing it like it's, it's just a task. There's, there's no concern for his soul. And the guy, keeps, the chaplain keeps reading and keeps reading. And finally, Charlie Peace grabs him. I don't know how he did it back in those days, but he grabs him. He says, excuse me for a second. If I believe what you and the church say they believe, about the eternal souls of people like me. Even if there was broken glass from sea to sea in England, I would crawl across this country on my hands and knees to ensure that the gospel got out. What he was saying is he was looking for a little bit of conviction. He, he was looking for a little bit of convincing from this man. He was looking for somebody who was convinced by the gospel that he was presenting. He was looking to see if the behaviors matched. What they said mattered. Leaders, people are looking to see what kind of leader you are. They don't care about what lights you have, what songs you chose, what illustrations you use. They're willing to follow you if they see a leader who's leading like it matters. They're willing to follow you if they see a leader who just keeps strategizing, keeps being intentional. They're willing to follow a leader who's willing to be courageous because by not being courageous, somebody might go to hell. They're willing to follow a leader who is so dependent upon God because they know, they know that if God doesn't show up, then nothing they do matters. They're looking for a leader that leads like it matters. Would you stand? Would you bow your heads? Close your eyes.
Some of you have just been going through the motions. Uh, my guess is that those of you who are in that place, it's not because you want to be that kind of leader. Some of us are just tired from the last two years and we find ourselves acting professionally now. Some of us are on leadership teams and we're, we're just showing up. We're just doing it because maybe we like the pastor or we like the people who are on the team. We're just giving the bare minimum. But God's looking for a group of leaders who see what our ministry job is the same way that Daniel saw the problem before him. That if someone doesn't step up, people are gonna die. People are gonna die. Those of you who are in kids' ministries, you have the potential to transform a child and transform a family. Those of you who are in youth ministries, you have the the potential to transform students' lives who will transform their schools. Young adults, you have the ability to transform somebody who will go into the business world or into a college and lead people to Christ that most pastors could never do, could never ever lead. We have the potential to do something significant. Our ministry matters. It's time we lead like it matters. So here's the call. I'm asking you to make a fresh commitment to Jesus. I'm not talking about a salvation commitment. I'm, I'm talking about a call commitment to say, Jesus, I'm not choosing to be involved in my area of ministry because my pastors ask me or because I get paid. I'm choosing because this ministry matters. And I wanna lead like it matters so that people will follow me so we can make the greatest dent for the kingdom of God. If you're willing to make that commitment, would you come to the altar right now? What a great word by Jeff Hillier. Again, a former guest of the Leadership Matters podcast and just such a timely word. I hope that you've been encouraged and stirred by this word today. And again, if it has encouraged you in some way, shape, or form, Go ahead, share that on your social media or with a friend, with another leader who you think would benefit by this. We really do uh, do all of this and put our efforts towards this podcast in, in hopes and efforts that you would become the healthiest leader you could possibly be. We really do believe that healthy leaders produce healthy ministry, and so that's why this podcast exists. So uh, don't keep it to yourself. Share it around with other leaders like you who would benefit from it. So until next time, keep leading like it matters. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Leadership Matters podcast. If you've enjoyed the podcast, why don't you take a moment and subscribe on iTunes to ensure you never miss another episode. Until next time, remember your leadership matters.